Josh, I lead the team here, and uh, welcome to Revive Church, Revive Reserve, and we're, I'm excited to open the Word with you today and uh, share. We're going to be re- reading uh, from Ephesians 4 in just a minute, but I want to pray as we, as we get started today. Father, thank you for the amazing time of worship. We're able to, for a few minutes, to celebrate you to kind of step out of our ordinary routine uh, and meet with an extraordinary God. Thank you, you're so great, not just for what you've done for us, but because of who you are. And I pray today that your word, uh, I pray today that we wouldn't just come to read or hear your word, we pray your, your your word would read us. We pray as we look in, God, you would speak to our hearts, you would change our lives through the power of your word. Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Hey, uh, this month of March, we're, we're going to take the next few weeks and talk about uh, the subject, all hands on deck. All hands on deck. And uh, as we've been gearing up for April 1st, and Ephraim, if you could throw up the slide, the the church in three place, places slide. Uh, April 1st is a big day for us, and it's an exciting day uh, because God's been moving at Revive Church in us. And last year, we celebrated 40 years as a church, and, and it seemed like uh, maybe eight to ten years we, we were in a place, and this happens in life and in church and in businesses where we kind of hit a plateau and we kind of stalled out and we're struggling through some things and challenges and finances and a lot of different circumstances. And then uh, this phrase comes to mind, but God. But God breaks in and, and not only do we have a faithful God, we've had a faithful church. You guys, I want to commend you through the years, through thick and thin and good and bad. Uh, you've been so faithful uh, and I think of uh, in the Bible where it says, uh, even when we're faithless, he is faithful. And it's because we have a faithful God who's done so much in every single life of everyone in this church that we're to the place we are now to be able to say, hey, on April 1st, we're going to be in three places all at one time, one church in three places, reaching people in western Montana with the gospel. And that's really great news. And so we're here at Revive Reserve. We're going to be, we are, have been downtown Sunday nights, an amazing place to get to go worship. Heather, great job on announcements and inviting people to visit in the Bitterroot. Maybe take a Sunday night also and visit downtown. What a fun place to go and, and worship God and to reach right into the, the heart of our city. Uh, we, we believe God's called us to do that as well as on April 1st in the Bitterroot Valley. And so I'm going to preach, and then right at the end of the message, we're going to call our team up to, to pray for our core team and some core leaders, and we're going to commission them. And, and uh, it's not just them going, it's, it's us going. As a, we're going to the bitter rut. You're like, what are you talking about? We're, we're doing it together as a church through our prayers, our finances, through our Good Friday service on March 30th, 6.30, we're not having a service here. We're going down to the root to worship God and to, to lift Jesus high and launch this new congregation in the Bitterroot. So fun, amazing stuff. And so kind of the call that's going out is all hands on deck. It was the call. We'll look at it today and, and um, in three different, uh, three different points. Uh, and someone asked me a great question, and I, I have to admit as I thought about it, I've been guilty at times of making, and I made the statement of either last week or the week before, but making cliche statements such as we're, we're not called to just go to church, we're called to be the church going. You guys got it, right? We're, we're, we want to move church from the platform to the pew, right? We, church is not a spectator sport, it's not to come to watch. Now, those are all nice, but someone said, you said that we're all called to be ministers, but what does that mean? I thought, that's a good question. 
So I want to preach that today. What, is it, what, does it mean to be, what does it mean to be all hands on deck and everyone to get in the game and everyone to have a stake in the game and not just be sitting and watching church, but to be part of, be the church, be someone who Jesus has affected immensely and we can't help but go and to move out and to go for God, right? It's like calving season on a ranch this winter, all hands on deck, right? You don't just, well, I'll watch from the house. No. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right? All hands on deck. Every, everyone's in the game. My, my brother, Jacob, he's the youngest in our family. We have five siblings. I'm the oldest. He's the youngest. He's 10 years younger than me, and he just got married. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Last summer. And their wedding was at our place and my father-in-law's place. And... You know what? There wasn't some big, fancy, high-paid wedding coordinator there. We're not that kind of family. You might be, and wish I could go to your wedding. We were like all hands on deck. Someone's, you just, everyone, for three, four days, we just chipped in. And my brother married this Russian gal. Their whole family immigrated from Russia when uh, my brother's wife was actually... Uh, just born, and they were awesome. And they had people, they brought in cooks, like they brought in these Russian mamas to cook some grub. They had these, they did, they made a fire with a propane thing and these big cauldrons, and they are stirring the food. (laughs) They were, they're like, and my father-in-law is like, he decided, he's this rancher guy, he decided, I need to run my tractor the whole prep day of the wedding. So he's going back and forth the morning of the wedding on his tractor. I'm not, I forgot why this is in the sermon. Uh, <laughs> but he's going past these mamas that are cooking the food, and like dust is billowing up. Remember last summer? And they said, when will tractor man be done? <laughs> they came to me, um, and they were ready to like take tractor man out, like, Rocky Belt, Rocky Five style. Um, but it, for us, it was, it was a time in our f- family time where we all chip in, right? Where you, all hands on deck, we just were there to have a great day and a memorable day. We're there to help. We're there to, we're there to do the work. But sometimes, I think in, in church, we can think more cruise liner than we can uh, aircraft carrier, Right? Well, I'm here to be served, and what does the church offer? What does it have? Or what are the, and, and if I were to move to a new town and we're visiting churches, which I won't ever do because I'm here with you guys, um, right? <laughs> if I were, I would, kinda, I would probably be predisposed or predispositioned to say, well, let me check out some places and see what they have. And I, I think that you want to see where you would fit. That makes total sense. But also, we would want to be in a place to say, what can I do to help? Where can I chip in? Where can I get in the game? Because it's not a spectator sport. And so I want to answer quickly today in three ways. What does it mean to be a minister of the gospel? And I don't mean professional pastor or preacher. It's all the the Bible and Jesus' gospel is in all hands on deck. And we're called to serve or minister in three ways. Are you ready? We're called to worship up, we're called to serve in, and we're called to reach out. Those three things, it boils down what it means to be a minister of the gospel. So first, we're called to serve God through worship. And I don't mean just through what we did a moment ago, which was amazing, by the way. Highlight of the week where we can come, and Heather put it so well, where it's, it, you, you can only do this together where our voices lift up together and there's this corporate worship that draws us into something bigger than us. We see a God all of a sudden that is bigger than us and greater than us and more powerful than us. It's worship. It's in Romans 15 where Paul said, uh, Therefore, I praise Him. I can't help but praise the living God. I, I, my life is a praise to Him. 
And so worship isn't just on Sunday. It's, it's a response. Worship is a life response to a God who purchased our salvation. It's a life response. Does your life respond to God in such a way where, Lord, my, my job is, I have a job here to worship you. I have a family here to worship you. I have a life here to bring you glory. That's why I exist, to bring glory to God. Worship is more than a song. It's a life response where we can't help but praise a God who purchased our life. If you came in today and you don't know Jesus and people seem, like, too happy, it's because they met this God that purchased their soul. 1 Peter 2.9 is, is an amazing scripture that says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession that you may proclaim. Everyone say proclaim. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's a response. When we meet this God who, did you notice it said, purchased us. Wow. Do you know how you can tell the value of something? Yeah. Let's, let's start with maybe your home. What is your home worth? The medium. That's right. Exactly what someone will pay for it. I can tell you exactly what your home is worth. What someone will pay. You can set a high price on that thing but it's worth exactly what someone will pay for it. And when I think of what Jesus did for us, he purchased us, but the Bible says, by his own blood. Do you know what your life's worth? You can tell based on what someone will pay for it. He gave everything for you. That's why we worship. That's one reason why we worship today. That's one reason why we minister to God. We're called to be ministers of worship because we see what he's done. He bought me with a price. Another way to tell what something is worth, or another, I guess, a way to, to calculate is depends on who owns it. Or it depends on if there's an item you're trying to sell. It depends on who owned it. In other words, if I tried to sell my shoes that I got at Ross Dress for Less. I'm just that guy. <laughs> who wants Josh's shoes? Right, Mel? Give you a few bucks for those. If you didn't have shoes, they'd be worth more. Might try to sell them for 30 bucks. There's some hay on them from this morning. Uh, I saw where, is it Judy Garland? Did she play Dorothy in Wizard of Oz? You know those red slippers? The ruby? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> I'm more of a boot kind of a man. Do you know what those sold for in auction? $660,000. Because of who they belong to. Who do you belong to? Think of it, we, one of the reasons we fall into sin or make mistakes or get out of a life of worship is because we forget who we belong to. He purchased it. We belong to, he purchased us with a price. Therefore, we want to worship him as it says in First Peter. We proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Guys, we are called to minister in worship. Our, whole, our life can't help but to respond to the one who bought us and the one we belong to, and we say, and that's why we should never talk bad about someone else, another person, another, another believer, especially because Jesus bought them with a price, right? And so when we look at the tremendous price that was paid, and we look at what we've done in our lives, they don't add up, but that's the beauty of the gospel. And if you don't know that today, Jesus paid the same price for you. And it's why we as believers are called to first minister in worship, someone say amen. We worship up. Secondly, we're called to serve one another in ministry uh, through nurture and care. We're called to serve in. We're called to help one another. We're called to 
be there for one another. We're called to like it in Ephesians 4. Did we never read the verse? I just got so excited. Well, we're, we're to the verse now, Ephesians 4. And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. 2, verse 12, listen to this carefully, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What a great verse. So when I say something like, man, every member is a minister, and we don't just look to professional pastors, this is one of the ways we look at the, some call it a fivefold or an Ephesians 4 ministry. They call it Ephesians 4 because pastor and teacher is almost used in the same phrase in the Greek, but there still are kind of five offices there of apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. They're all supposed to be at work in the church, not just a pastor, right? That's what happens in so many churches. One of the reasons members aren't doing ministry is because we've had a, the wrong model in church life where, let's just say it's this church, which it's not, but Josh, the pastor, and the expectation would be, hey, we, we want pastor to be like a decathlete. You know what a decathlete does? They run, they jump, they throw. What else do they do? Shoot bow and arrows? I don't know. Swim? Do they swim? <laughs> I only doggy paddle. You know, we want pastors, we want the pastor to do... And it's what, what's happened, and I think, in our nation where there's the pastor. There's no, there's no apostolic ministry where people are, well, actually there is, but we've got, we got away from that where we went from clergy and more of a clergy-based ministry, right? And so uh, where is the kind of apostolic call or the prophetic call? We don't want the prophetic call. Those guys scare people, <laughs> right? Uh, pastors, evangelists. Right, evangelists do good, except they at times call people to themselves or to a ministry, not as much in the church these days. And there's also teachers. And so God gave these five gifts, what does it say? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to work in, to serve in, to bless one another, to encourage and prophesy and pray for one another. Great, as we prayed out today. That was church moving off the platform into the, the pews. Why do we use the word pew, by the way? Kind of odd. Into the chairs, the blue chairs. Where the saints doing the work of the ministry, praying for one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another up, uh, being there at one another's ministry. And it's what we see in, in the life of our church and our home groups where you, you get together during the week and you, you serve in. Not only do we worship up with this amazing God, but it causes us, when we see the value that he, that he placed in our lives, all of a sudden we see a value in others in the church. If he did that for me, man, how could I ever gossip? How could I ever backbite? How could I ever, you know, talk under my breath about someone else in the form of a prayer request? Right? When we see the value that he placed on us, we see it in others and we think, wow, he loves them just as much as me. Right? And so it makes us want to serve in and do this Ephesians 4 to equip the saints of the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To mature, maturity. Do you know what? The gifts of God are free, but maturity is costly. It costs us something to serve in and love one another. It, it costs something to become mature. To become a, it costs something to be a great athlete. My son and I watched, uh, it's amazing, on uh, Facebook, they have these live events. We were able to watch uh, this Zion Williamson the number one basketball recruit in high school. This kid is like Shaquille O'Neal on steroids. And he, he, he played in his third state title and won it yesterday. We, we watched that right on 
my phone, like back east somewhere. Play this game. But you know what? It, it, he, did, he was born with like a physique, but he also, I know that kind of game cost him something. He's got recruited to Duke, by the way, Kog, so. We're going to be taking down North Carolina until he gets drafted. Uh, that was a cheap shot. Uh, you know what? It cost him something. Anything you're good at, you know, you may have a talent, but to really become mature and gifted, it costs us something. To become mature in the, in, as the body of Christ, it costs us to serve in. It's blood, sweat, and tears. You guys know that over the years as a church. We've prayed through things together. We've given together. We've given to see this building come through. And there's times where we thought, Lord, how are we going to do this? And it cost us time and hours in the prayer room. Jim, I saw you there like every week for the last decade or two. Costing us something. Costing us something in prayer to, to love one another. And it's more than pastor to Catholic. What's so great about today is we pray for a team, guys. We're, we're multiplying now. God is taking Ephesians 4, and he's doing it in you, right? He's doing it in us, where it's not just about me, and it's more than our our team. God's making teams in our team, and it's amazing to see. It's really, really amazing to see, and so it's the second way we minister. When you come, please, when you come on a Sunday, you may be new, but but try not to hit the door and zoom, zoom in and find a seat. Find someone to visit with. Find someone to get to know. Find someone to take to lunch. Find, find someone and do life with them. Find someone that has a prayer need or someone you resonate with and, and help them through life. Right? That's the joy of, of doing church together. Are you guys with me today? If we do, if, now, if we just are about worship, worshiping up, and we're just about reaching and I think we, we missed the last point. And we could, churches do this all the time where they, as they get older, they tend to look in. They tend to become a needs-based, well, these are my needs. Can you, what can you do for me or can you help me? Or we have our clique or our group and we like it like that. But aren't you glad we have a Savior who doesn't just like it like that? He comes to, he comes to mess things up a bit. Some of you are like, wait, I just want to go to church. The third thing, see, not only do we worship up and serve in, we, we're called to reach out. It's the last way we minister. And the wa- last way to answer the question, well, what does it mean to be a minister? You're called to reach the community, reach the world as a witness to Jesus. Right? Acts 5.32, they said we were all witnesses of what he's done. Something happens when you meet this God where you have to tell someone else. You have to go out. It's like uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, the, the, what's called the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all that I've commanded. And I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Did you notice that word? Go. We're not just going to church, we're the church going. And one thing I love about you guys, and love about, I should say, us, is something's always happening. There's times where I feel like as the pastor of this church, I've, I've got the reins on a carriage, and I'm like, whoa, you know, slow it down a bit. And I'd rather do that than be saying, come on, speed up, speed up. Because there's always something. We're going to DeSmet School and the food bank and, and all these outreaches around Christmas time. I, I almost blow my top around Christmas time. You guys get, we give till we bleed. I'm going, I don't know how we'll even pay the bills because you give so much. Oh, you got another idea of how to give? Of course you do. (laughs) Mona comes to us, staff time. It's always about the, what is that, the first week of December. We sponsored about 80 kids through the city food Christmas party. and, And I say, that's pretty good. Yep, okay, good. The finances came in. It's just right. 
let's buy gifts for 80 kids. Perfect. That's a, a huge faith step. And she goes, I think we should add about 30 more kids. Can we open it up for like two more weeks? I'm like, oh, Lord. And I, I love that because it's, it's me having to more pull back the reins instead of saying, come on, ha, ha, ha. You know, serve, go, reach out. You guys reach out so well because it's part of the DNA. It's in the fabric of our church. This church started as a church plant out of Anchorage, Alaska in 1977 by five adults, two kids, and two dogs who felt the call of God in their life to go with the gospel and follow this great commission to say, hey, uh, we're going to go to an important city called Missoula, Montana. People there need to hear the gospel. We need to minister to the world through witness. We're called to reach out. See, if we just reach in, then, then we get stale. We get, we're like a lake with no outlet or inlet. Right? The water gets bad. And so we, we want to be the river of God. We don't want to be a lake. We want to be the river of God that's flowing and moving and vibrant and Guys, any dead fish can flow downstream, right? We're called, to, we're called to be vibrant and alive and to be on the move and on the go. I love what William Booth said. He was the fiery, little fiery quote, but he's the founder of Salvation Army. He's so radical. He bought the most notorious whorehouse in London, made that their headquarters. <clears> hmm. <throat> Ate glass for breakfast. Walked uphill both ways. No. He said this. He did buy the brothel. But he said, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of sin. Out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, the agonized heart of humanity. Listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell. And hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. And then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances to march to publish his mercy to the world. Think of that. Not called, you say? Put your ear down to the Bible. Wow. God, speak to your church today. Guys, we're called as, as ministers to worship up. Thank you, Lord, for worship. I love having a worshiping church. And thank you for a church that would look in and say, times we need to say, what about us? What about the needs? What about this? And we, we can't just be going because if we do, we'll leave people behind. It's like Jesus will leave the 99 to find the one. Maybe we need to be looking in and say, man, people are missing. People are gone. It's not just my job as pastor to Catholic to go into the world and take care of the saints. It's the work of the church, right, to do the work of the ministry. And I think when we get that, when we worship up and reach in, God does something in us that compels us to run to the world. Guys, and that's what's happening here uh, April 1st with us as a church. That's what God has done in us is saying, guys, I'm, I'm taking and sending you. I'm sending, we're going to have them come up in a minute. And actually, if someone can gather the kids and uh, my wife, people from the Bitterroot team and my family to uh, entreat them, therefore, hither to come down here now. Sometimes we view... Sending and planting as a loss. Which, by the way, we're not just, we're not planting a separate church. We as Revive are, we're going to have three congregations, one church in three places. It's, a, it's actually really cool. One elder team, one finance account, one great big church with leadership teams in three places that are called to reach our city and western Montana for Jesus. And dare I say, we have probably the coolest mission field in the whole world. I just said Western Montana. That's where we live. Someone say a huge amen. amen. Sometimes we think, well, we're, it's a loss to send people. Or it's, man, 
Stacy and Ann and their team, it, they're not going to be here every Sunday. Which, by the way, we're getting together at least three times a year as one big church. But we, could, we can say that, and it's an honest, this is our family. This is people that have served with us. Stacy got a job with Barrett Productions, a film company, moved here years ago, staggered into church one Sunday morning, you know, walked in boldly, actually, with his family, and he, he thought, this is home. They joined us and made this home. It's why we, we, we love them so much. They've served, and he's been part of our staff. And Courtney, his daughter, one of his daughters, led worship today. Good job, Courtney. Amazing. And we can see that as a loss. But listen, guys, the gospel, the Bible compels us to go. And some go by staying, and some go by going. But we must go if we don't. We will die. And I'm too young to die here. I don't have church as business as usual. Someone say, yeah. You know what? Acts 13 is a great example of a church in Antioch that it took off. Really, it was the base of sending, the sending part of Christianity. I know the Holy Spirit broke out in Jerusalem. But in Antioch, that was, became the sending base, the sending center, the sending church. It was the place where they were starting to send teams all over the globe. And there was a guy there named the Apostle Paul. That's not his name. That's a function, not a title. By the way, the fivefold in Ephesians 4, those are functions. I don't look at them necessarily as titles, although they can be. We make too much of titles in this day and age. But he's the Apostle Paul. He's in their church, and there's a guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Two heavy hitters in the body of Christ. I want to say that, could you imagine if the Apostle Paul was like an elder in our church? First one, I would never preach, and then we would just like, ah, right? Could you imagine that? Paul and Barnabas. But you know what happened in a prayer meeting? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. It's like Acts 13, verse 2 or 3, 4, somewhere in there. Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. It says that they, after they prayed, they, we don't know how long that was. It could have been some time. But they laid hands on them and they sent them. They sent them. And that always blew my mind. Not that that God spoke in a meeting to send someone to do a church, but the fact that they would send Paul, the fact that they would send Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the fact that they would look in the middle of their church and they would, they would see the best people there and they would choose not to keep them, but they would choose to send them. Why? Because that's the heart of the gospel. We send our best, and we, we send those that are ready to go. And what happens? God, God blesses us, and by filling the seats of those who've gone with other people, and other people can leave, and that's, guys, that's the church we get to be a part of, a church that is on the move, and a church that's sending. Did you know Peter himself went to Antioch? Peter was sent to Antioch, and then to Rome where he died a martyr's death. And I think of the merry band of the apostles. How great it would have been to kind of keep them together, right? The 12 and then the 11, then the 12 again. Let's hold them, let's keep this group together. That would have been an amazing leadership team, don't you think? Andrew the apostle went to the Greeks. James the Great, uh, Herod killed him in Jerusalem. He was the leader of the Jerusalem church. John, the apostle John's the only one that didn't die a martyr's death, went to Patmos in Greece. He died near Ephesus. Philip went to Rome. Bartholomew, they don't know where he went. They just know he went. Thomas, doubting Thomas, remember that guy? Jesus, I believe. No, I don't. Show me your hands. You know where he went? India. India. In those days, can you imagine? India's crazy now. So much curry and smells and it's wild. You know, we have about 30 to 40 regions beyond churches right in India. A guy like Thomas went to India. Matthew, book of Matthew, you know where he went? Ethiopia. With the gospel, on the move. Matthias, he's the replacement apostle for Judas who uh, ended his own life. 
He started a church in uh, Cappadocia on the coast of the Caspian Sea and went up and down the coast. That was a smart move. Better than India. I'm going to the coast for the gospel. <laughs> right? I'm called to go to the, the... I always love it. There's a YWAM base down in Hawaii. That was a good idea. Whoever thought of that? We need to get teenagers to go and be trained for the gospel in Hawaii. I'm feeling a call from the Lord after this six months of winter. Guys, listen, the goal of the church wasn't to hold it all together. It was, it was the call of ministry. You want to know what ministry is? It's worship, serving each other, and it's going. That's the simplest answer I can give you, and it's why we're going to invite the Bitterroot team up, and we're going to pray for them and commission them today to start March 30th for Good Friday and then April 1st. And I do want to ask any of you that can join us this Wednesday night down at the turnoff to Stevensville in 93. There's a subway right there at the corner in the light. We've leased the back half of that building for one year because we're crazy enough to believe that God's called us to go on the move. Amen? So my question to you is, will you minister with me? Huh? That's not rhetorical. Will you minister with me? I'm not the decathlete kind of a guy. I need a team. My team knows I need a team. Right? I heard a laugh from Bruce over there. <laughs> He's like, ha! <laughs> it's true. At this time, we're gonna, we get to see this message in action today in a very practical and amazing way. I'd like to invite uh, Ann and Stacey Ratliff and their family up front. Just right down here would be great. These guys are leading the team. Courtney's going to be uh, doing worship, but also helping here with worship. Some? She's still here? She's still here? What's cool is we're kind of all serving together in this thing. Um, Rick and Gail Rising. These guys joined us. I can't even believe it. You may not know them. It, we're, we're, guys, we're, it's funny. We're big enough where you can hide in this church. You know, someone said, you know, you don't ever want to ask someone, how long you've been coming here? Because it's like, well, three years. Um, right? Has it about been about three years? These guys were on a leadership from another church and just needed a place to land for a while. Landed here, and when Stacy asked them, will you join our team I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misquote. He said, yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so there's maybe some of you thinking about joining the Bitterroot Church plant, and you're going, yeah, no. God may have your number. He may want you to join the team down there. Uh, but these guys have served us really well and have, have just have a heart. They're longtime Bitterrooters. Uh, and have said, he actually said yes to God's call. Buck and Jamie Rodoff and, f and squad. Hello. Whew. This is a handsome family right here. Buck and I were roommates in college. Actually, Chris was one of our roommates. We lived on South Street back before the war. Uh, way long time ago, but seeing Buck, uh, Buck came here on a rodeo scholarship for the university and uh, was fortunate enough to meet Jamie, and like most of the men in our church, he married up, and um, <laughs> they have this amazing family, but they, they have a heart, such a heart for the Bitterroot where they live. Uh, the girls, I know, is it Macy, is it you or both of you? Have, Macy started both? But you. This young lady here started a Bible study in her school before school in the Stevensville school. Um, so the, Jamie and her family have been part of our church since almost the beginning and 30 years. So you're only 26, so since... <clears throat> um, but amazing what God is doing and uh, to see. Uh, and then finally, Andrew, Andrew and Jackie Rose...
what's I need to retract the finally. There's just a couple more. But uh, what's great about these guys, they actually live in Missoula but have a heart for the Bitterroot. Andrew works down there. He's a, he's a Marine. And um, so don't mess with them. He's just a little bit, he's just a little bit off. Do you know people like that are just barely <laughs> off? You don't want to mess with them uh, in a good way, in an amazing way. I mean, uh, these guys are awesome as well. They have a beautiful young family. And when I said finally, I misspoke. I want to have uh, the Phelps who are going to be doing youth and the Spaffords who are going to be doing kids ministry there to come up as well. Let's give these guys a hand. Now, I know there's a lot of other people that are going to be serving in the bitter up, but guys, can we just take a second and look up at these amazing families? Not only thank them, but thank God for the gift that he's blessed us with. Let's thank him. It's amazing. Thank you, guys. We're going to, um, what we're going to do is we're going to pray like our elders and uh, their spouses and any staff and spouses to come up at this time. If you guys can sort of, I don't know, conglomerate into the middle right here, just crunch in. This is like a whole church right here already. I'm going to ask, um, you guys may have just a scripture or a brief word for them, like for you to pray over them. Uh, you may have something you'd like to share. We're going to, we're going to pray, and in a minute I'm going to have you stand. Uh, and you may have just a, a word of encouragement. Would you? These guys are going to be back at the table where you can help them and help us uh, by getting items, as Heather mentioned earlier. They're going to be back there at their, the table for Revive uh, Bitterroot. But share any words of encouragement with them as you, as you receive those. And uh, I'm going to pass the mic around. And then, actually, let's all stand. Psalm 37, it says, He, God, will not forsake his saints. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land of the bitter root and befriend faithfulness. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. He is on your side. And I know you guys are committing your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. But I also exhort you, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I know there's just a lot of activity that has been going on leading up to this event, but I encourage you, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. God, thank you for this amazing group of people, God. They are people who have been touched deeply in their heart. They have a mission. They are commissioned, God, and we are sending. And I, I just ask, God, that you would bless them in all of their thoughts, Everything they do, God, they are committed to your work and your way, God, that they are trusting in you and that you are blessing them, that they become magnets, people magnets, God, that draw people. And I know, God, you draw people to yourself. I pray for relationships that they have, hands that they shake, people they meet, God, that there's an electrification. People are drawn, Father, that you will build your, your church, another church, another way to reach people in the bitter root, that they have a special people to meet, a special people to draw, and a special people to win to your heart. I pray these blessings, God, that you would bless this group. God, bless them. Bless your body, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 9.36, it says that Jesus, uh, when he saw the crowds, he was moved. He was moved with compassion. 
because he saw that they were harassed and helpless. And uh, his encouragement was to pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest. Lois Gott tells a story about the revival in Sunderland, England. They were sent into the middle of that city, basically a slum. And she said the Lord allowed them to hear the cries of the people in the neighborhood. And uh, they could hear those voices that were crying out, if God was real or God, if you're there, come and help me. Uh, I know your focus has been on getting the building ready and all the mechanics of church, but the reason you're going down there is because people have been crying out, God, are you, are you there? Are you real? How can you help my marriage? And what are we going to do? We're going bankrupt. Uh, what about my kids? They're rebelling. They're, they're, there's been a cry go up. And whenever a cry goes up, God answers and God, God hears and then he answers. So, Father, I pray that you give this team the ability to hear the cries of people in that area, Father, that um, you're sending them as laborers into the harvest field because you've been moved with compassion and you've heard their cry, the, the cry of helpless and harassed people that don't know where to turn. So we thank you, God, that you're the answer. The gospel is the answer and you've moved uh, the hearts of these people to, to team up and to fulfill your purposes and plans for that area, Father. Thank you. Um, uh, as I looked just at you guys, that verse, you know, be strong and courageous came to mind. Um, and I just was asking the Lord into that. And I, I just felt like he said, as you go, grace will come. And obviously as a, as a core leaders, as a, you guys are discerning what's too much, what's, you know, there's, there's wisdom and just, we don't go and do everything. But I felt like the Lord just wanted to speak over questions specifically to you first of, can we do this? Am I, can I, can we step into this? And the Lord is saying, as you dive, grace comes. You see it time and time again in scripture and in stories in our own experiences, we've seen it. And I just, I just say that over you. As you dive, grace will come. Stacy. grace will come to you. As you dive, Gail, grace is going to come to you in new ways. You're going to roar like a lion in new ways. Grace is going to come. You're going to rise up even more. Emily, grace is going to come. As a, as a mom, but also pouring into young people, grace is going to come. And I'm not calling out specifics as if one more than the other, but I just, I just, I could see it over you. Courtney, grace is going to come to do this, to wrestle through it, to figure out what it means and how it all goes. Grace will come. And as the Lord was speaking it over this team, I felt like he said, look behind you. Grace is going to come. We don't, we're not like Josh says, we're not just losing out. But as we dive into holes, as we see, oh, I need to step up because they stepped out. Grace comes to a whole body and we realize even in this, in the, in the people behind us, I'm more alive than I've ever been. We didn't lose, we gained because grace came. So believe both for this team but also for, for the people standing behind that represent a family, grace comes when we dive. Again, I want to remind us of the prophetic word that we had uh, before we came to this place. In Isaiah 54, starting with verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your corn cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Um, and as, as I was praying over you guys, I've, I've had the stake for a while. Um, but God was, was just kind of telling me, he said, you know, when you, you guys are a gift, not only to this whole body, but you're a gift that we're giving to the Bitterroot. And when you give gifts, you don't go to the dumpster and dig out something out of the trash. You go to a store or someplace and you give, you find the best that you can afford. So we are giving some of our best to the Bitterroot. So this is, this is the stake. 
symbolic of stretching out our tent and, and go enlarging to the left and to the right. So God bless you guys. Come on, if you guys would, let's lift our voices and join me in prayer. Father, we thank you as we pray for this team. God, we pray that you lift their heads, fill their hearts with faith and, and joy and, and the abundance that your kingdom brings. We pray that, uh, thank you, as we've prayed for all hands on deck, you've brought hands and hearts and families here. And as a, a church, we bless them. We say, God, would you uh, encourage their, their eyes and hearts and their minds. And we pray, God, that you... Uh, you do amazing things. We can't wait to see it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give Jesus a huge hand clap today. <laughs> guys, there's, uh, I'm going to, before I dismiss you, I'm going to have you guys. I know we, if we let them hang out here, they'll never leave. You guys flee to the foyer. <laughs> Head that way. Vamos, Ananda, escuche arriba. Head south. Uh, they're going to be back at the table where you can greet them and uh, pick up some info or maybe want to fulfill fill one of the needs that uh, maybe was expressed earlier, one of the things that uh, can help them get started. You guys are awesome. Thanks for doing this with us today. And, and uh, if you need prayer, we don't want to overlook a need. Maybe as I talked about your value and the value of who paid for you and who you belong to. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you need to respond to the gospel in that way, knowing that you were bought with a price. Jesus loves you and he died for you. And, and uh, we want to pray for you. There'll be some of our ministry team up here to do that. And maybe guys, I, I need to say one more thing. And there's so many things we can't bear to hear it, right? Um, you may be called to serve in the congregation, our congregation, in the Bitterroot. And if you are to that, we say yes and amen. Many of you are going to be called to be here and support this work, kind of this starting place for our church and this this place. And yeah, and we were excited about serving at Reserve, Revive Reserve, but you may feel called. And maybe today you didn't come in today expecting or planning to worship in another spot. But God's on the move. And we're called to minister, not just to worship or to reach in, but to go out. Maybe that's you today. Stacy and his team would love to talk to you about that. Amen? You guys have an awesome day.